Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information about Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia. Well, good afternoon, and thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today, I have a very special guest, a friend of mine now that I consider a good friend, and his name is David Jack. And I've uh, spoken with him several times, and I've had him on other shows where we talked about um, managing the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, your own body, and how important it is that in the natural we are taking care of the natural man. So he's a great expert on that, so we may have him back to talk about that as well. But David, thank you for being here. Oh, I am. I'm really excited to be here. Good. Thank you so, for having me. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? And don't be so self-deprecating because you are so good at not telling people really what you do. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm so at 40 years old. I'm, I'm still, you know, looking to God to see exactly what it is that I do and what's next for me. Mm-hmm. So kind of from the natural world or a specific definition, I started my career as a kind of strength and conditioning specialist, a human performance specialist, mm-hmm. did a lot of work with from young all the way up to professional level athletes in what we call long-term athletic development, continued to work with adults, and then kind of really spun it out into looking at wellness as a whole and what, what fitness really means. And so for about a decade, just would continue checking in with God and saying, Lord, you know, if there's more for me, if, if there's, if there's a, a better way for me to witness, if there's something else I need to do, you call me to do it because I don't see how to do it other than what's just in front of me right now. And about two years ago, we started to plant a seed in my heart and continued to water that until he, he encouraged me <laughs> to move my family from New England to Phoenix in August. And so it's, it's the, the best, next step the in the best journey. best month to move. Yes. August. It yes. was perfect. <laughs> I moved right at the beginning of the, that uh, kind of record-setting heat wave yes. we had for those 10 days. But Beautiful. It's, it's beautiful <laughs> here. And today, what a gorgeous day. Yes. So you're doing some special things that you also are the, I think you said you're the global asset for Reebok and you do some things for Rodell and some for Prevention Magazine as well in yes. fitness. Yes. And you and guys are kind of bringing it here to the Valley. We are. We are. And and what's really neat about those relationships, like the rest of my life is, if you know, the, the testimony of those relationships that have been developed, they have zero to do with me, you know, and it's one of those things mm-hmm. where you know, um, God equipped the chosen and he put those opportunities in my life. And and the great thing about it is Rodale is a company that has, you know, men's health and women's health and prevention magazine, and they do a ton of books and they're still privately held. And the original vision of that family was inspire others to live healthier lives and give them tools to do it. So when I first had the opportunity to work with them and I I read that mission, it resonated so much with me. And I'm so grateful to work with them because they're amazing people. And, And they're still run by Maria Rodale, who you know, as an heir of the, of, of the Rodale family. And right. they still have that passion in their heart. And, and Reebok, my opportunity with them as a global spokesman and an advisor for them and an ambassador, they've moved into a place now that's really based on purpose. Um, and they have this initiative called Reebok One, <clears throat> where it's this one mission, this one vision and one purpose for fitness and wellness professionals 
to be the best that they can be and encourage each other to rise up and be the best that they can be for those that would be entrusted to their care. And so I get to be placed right in the middle of this mission, which I've been, I've been with them for six years. And when they called me into their corporate offices in July and said, we're thinking about doing something and this is what it is. I was like, Oh Lord, here we go. So it is really amazing. And I'm just excited to be with both those organizations. Well, that's awesome because that's a lot of what we've talked about in the past that, you know, one of my biggest um, mission statements for everything that I do is to be your own best version. And Mm. that's to understand that there is no arrival place, but whatever day I'm in, I need to be the best version that God would have me that day, you know? And so I want to be a better version than I was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so it's that continual Philippians one six, you know, he began a good work in me. He'll, he will complete it. And to not try to be the world's version, correct, you know, or who I think I should be or could be or would be, but to really be me, the version that God has intended and to continue to discover that, to walk into that, you know, to, Mm to take it and hold it and be it. And that it's a hard thing to do. And, you know, in, in our culture, we do physically that being our best version, either very inappropriately or for all the wrong reasons, you know, to get self-worth and self-esteem mm. or we don't do it at all. Right. And so, you know, I really like a lot of what you stand for because you are helping people to understand that the natural body, the way that God made it is this amazing machine Mm-hmm. That has the ability to self-diagnose. It has the ability to heal itself if we give it what it needs. Now, I'm not talking about extraordinary conditions and injuries sure. and sure. disease, you know. But the but if we basically are just doing what God has asked us to do with our body and our minds, it can it, it does amazing things, and we can then withstand the evil one. Amen. Which the more when we don't do those things and we are physically compromised, it makes us that much it makes it that much harder spiritually emotionally, intellectually, to battle the evil one and ourselves. Well, you know, it's, it says he prowls like a lion Absolutely. and he lays in wait. And all he needs, I mean, he, they are right there just waiting. And, to devour. And waiting even more for those that have light on them yes. because they're the ones that they want. And, I mean, if you give them a crack. That's right. Literally, it's like, go. That's right. You know, and they run hard. Yes. So we do have to stay shielded up the best that we mm-hmm. can every day. Well, because they don't have any other job. What else no, are they going to do? That's what. That's yeah, exactly that's all they what do. their purpose 24 is. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To, yes. just, to destroy and to tear down. That's right. So, um, and, and it's really interesting. You know, you said something with being, our, you know, the best version of yourself. And it, it's so true. And I had a mentor, my, one of my first spiritual, spiritual mentors, this gentleman, Tony Pacey, who I just love him so much. And what an amazing story his life is. And, and just the humblest of men. But he had once said to me, with all the questions I had from him, and, you know, you, you, you try to get too, quote unquote, religious, or you try to do actions to earn God's favor and, and all the things that you go through as, as uh, as kind of a young believer. And he just, he just looked at me and he said, you know, David, there's, there's really, it's really simple. You, you make a connection with the Lord and you walk in love. And ultimately it's about becoming the, who you were created to be, to mm-hmm. do the, what that you were created to do. Yes. Because each individual is a unique creation. There will never be another. Isn't that mind boggling? That's it. And ah, so the, it's the, unbelievable. the scary part of that is, or the exciting part of that is, if those people leave this place without becoming who they were made to be, we've lost a one-of-a-kind shot at them. Exactly. That's it. That's it. We have the most rare, unique, one-of-a-shot kind. And, you know, Og Mandino talks about this mm-hmm. in The Greatest Miracle in the World, which is an incredible book. And if our listeners haven't read that, it's such a fast read, but it is so powerful, The God Memorandum, yes. which just talks about how amazing our human body is and what we're capable of, and that it truly is the greatest miracle in the world. And one of the key things he wants us to understand is that we have to proclaim our rarity, Yes, that we are the only ones that can be us. And when we do that, we honor the God that created us. 
because now we're living as the tool we were made to be. So if we're a hammer and we're trying to work as a screwdriver, exactly. it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't work right. But when we start to live the way he made us and look to him to do what he wants us to do and listen for him to guide us to where to go, then things really start to make sense. And then we get to a place, I think, which I'm not there yet, <laughs> um, but excited to move to where you can start to understand what Paul said when he, he, he takes everything as joy. Yes. You know, the suffering, not because it was self-sought, because it came at the expense of a call. Mm-hmm. And that's a tremendous difference. Well, and that's the life of Jesus. Is that, you know, right. He really knew who he was. He, he knew did. why he was here. He did. And, and because he knew that in the depth of his soul, he was able to battle Satan. Yes, he was. People. He was not, he did not veer. He didn't lose, you know, the, the vision and the calling. He ran the race. He did. To and the so end. if the more that we are being who we are created to be and doing the what we are created to do, mm-hmm. then we, no matter how hard the suffering is, we have so much more energy because you. being you and doing what God has created you to do is in and of itself creating energy. And then he can provide you endless rivers of energy because right. he's, you're doing what he made you to do. So right. he can honor that. So he it's, can't it's provide you that energy mm-hmm. when you're not doing what he wants exactly. you to do because then he would be in opposition to himself. That's right. You know? That's right. That's exactly right. And the interesting dot, dot, dot I've added in being the who to do the what is that sometimes it's the what that helps create the who. Yes. And so that's what's really cool about God and life is that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have mm-hmm. to know all the answers. And sometimes he'll use our decisions and situations in our lives and circumstances to refine us, to help create us and, and shape us into, because he loves us, exactly. you know, and that's the favor that he gives us in our life. And it's amazing. Well, and I'm still just receiving it. I always tell clients that God is like the judo God, you know, he, he, just, is. he goes with energy and just moves it, redirects it. So he uses even our dysfunction mm-hmm. to get us where we need to go. You know, I mean, he, he, all through the Bible, you see all this horrible dysfunction and abuse that is mm-hmm. going on. And in spite of that, God was able to use that momentum, even if it's going in the wrong direction. Yes, because I does. always tell clients, God cannot steer a parked car. Hmm. Just move. You know, you don't have to know exactly the right way. You don't have to have it all figured out. Don't just sit there waiting for the big revelation. Just start doing something, hmm. moving toward. And then God really can start to use that momentum and get us right on the right path. I think it's called faith. Yes, it is. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> just take one step. You know, yeah. just step in the river. I know it's raging, but just yeah. step in, I'll part the waters. Like, it, really? <laughs> it's funny you say that. I was I was sharing this with some young coaches I was able to host and present at a conference in, in Louisville this past few days, and it, it's called the International Youth Conditioning Association, and it's an amazing organization, and it's specifically geared to certifying and working with coaches, uh, you know, physical educators, athletic coaches to work with kids on a long-term athletic development kind of spectrum. And it's just special. And it's, it's not even about fitness. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things we were talking about there was the movie, the golden child and yes. it had Eddie Murphy in it. Yes. And it's a funny movie. <laughs> it is and, a funny and, movie. and like, they're like, please tell us this isn't the, the chosen one to, to save our golden child. But he learns all this stuff. And then he goes into this through this door of like this building. And all of a sudden on the other side of the door, there's this cave and he's got to retrieve this special knife. And he walks down to the edge of this pathway and he kind of gets to the end of this thing and there's this chasm. And he kind of yells and it echoes and he throws a rock down there and he can't hear it land. So it's a bottomless pit. And, and on the other side is, is more land. And he yells back to his mentor, his sensei, and he says, what do I do now? And he said, just trust what you learned. So he closes his eyes and he takes a step forward like he's going to fall. And just as he's about to fall, this pillar of stone comes up under his foot. He kind of opens his eyes and 
Then he, with a little less fear, he kind of takes another step, but he's still got his eyes closed, and another one comes up. Then by the time he gets toward the other side, he's running from pillar to pillar. Yes. And it's the, yes. the, it's the irony in that movie and that little analogy is if you just take a step, when you feel he's the one leading the step, the next one's going to come, the next one's going to oh, come, and then you're going to walk because he will, the, like, like one of the scriptures of the day is, he will give you the strength that you need, you yes. know, and, and all things are possible in him. Wow. Well, we're going to kind of wind down this particular segment, and I'm wanting all my listeners to join us because we're going to be talking today about the power of a quiet mind, mm. which I know for myself that is that is a challenge. So, <laughs> this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Please join me again with David Jack. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today I have a special guest, David Jack. And if you missed the whole introduction in the first hour, I can just let you know that he is um, a great fitness expert um, on an international level. And so he's got wonderful information about just physiology, the way the human body works, and how God has made this amazing machine. So today with him, we are going to talk more about the mind, which is another part of our being, our soul, our spirit, our mind, our heart, and certainly our brain. And I'm always talking to people about the need to be taking care of our diet because that helps us think. Because if we're not taking care of our human body, then our brain becomes compromised and our brain starts telling us really, really bad information. Mm. And so it's important that we really take care of ourselves physiologically. But this next part... When we talk about the power of a quiet mind, the greatest pillars of faith have been able to quiet their mind. And I know for myself, that is one of the most difficult things I do because I think all the time and I like to think. Mm. And so it's hard for me sometimes to just ratchet that down, tune that down. So you have some verses that I really am interested in what God laid on your heart to talk about today. You know, it's interesting. The verses, they really connect to um, like... This today comes from Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest, and I'm sure that some of your (laughs) listeners uh, read it if they don't. It's just an amazing, you know, uh, daily devotional, and it's it's been such a blessing in my life. But this one today was just, will I bring myself up to this level? And it's perfecting holiness in the fear of God, and that's 2 Corinthians 7.1. And then he just talks about, therefore having these promises, I claim God's promises for my life and look to their fulfillment, and rightly so, but that shows only the human perspective on them. God's perspective is that through his promises, I will come to recognize his claim of ownership on me. For example, do I realize that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, or am I condoning some habit in my body which clearly could not withstand the light of God on it? And that's 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Mm. God formed his son in me through sanctification, setting me apart from sin and making me holy in his sight. But I must begin to transform my natural life into spiritual life by obedience to him. God instructs us even in the smallest details of life. And when he brings you conviction of sin, do not confer with flesh and blood, but cleanse yourself from it at once. Keep yourself cleansed in your daily walk. And I think this really ties into not only the power and and the importance that God calls us to, you know, 
with our bodies, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's really where church lives. That's really where Christ is. And you can't connect with that if you don't quiet your mind and listen to him. So one of the things that uh, a friend of mine had once said is that God lives in the parasympathetic. So for listeners that understand Mm -hmm. the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems in our nervous system, the sympathetic system is our fight or flight systems. It's the systems that were originally wired in us to be able to run away from a saber-toothed tiger or be able to defend ourselves in war or kind of those those moments where we really need to be on our game and respond to an imminent threat. The parasympathetic is where we heal, is where everything gets rebooted. So think of a computer. It's when we shut it down. It gives it a chance to reboot and heal and come back on and be quick and be fast. That's originally we're designed to live more in the parasympathetic and use a sympathetic for the times of need. The issue is with modern human evolution, which I believe we're in the greatest stage of evolution in the history of mankind right now within the past 20 years and right now in particular, um, actually technology is even outpacing humans' ability to keep up with it. We don't even understand the implications of it yet, like the new phones that we're trying to keep up with and how it's changing our lives. When you go into a restaurant when five years ago, people would be looking up at each other and now people are all looking down at their phones. How fast technology has changed culture is amazing. But in addition to that, all, all the technology, the TV, the speed of pace, you know, the lack of free play, the lack of manual labor, all the things that have happened in our lives are really putting in us this constant state of fight or flight where we always have to be on. Exactly. And the problem with that is there's no off. And we don't have the off. And those are the places when we hear the still small voice, when we're able to repair and get ready to charge the day and be ready for when we're called to do something significant. And so now more than ever, trying to find that time, that quiet mind time where we can listen to God, regenerate ourselves, put on our oxygen mask so that we can go out and serve others, it's it's more critical than ever right now. Well, I think that's a great point because as we were talking, even before we started the show, last week's show, I talked about the power of twilight. And that is an off time. That's like that, that's part of that rebooting. If I'm willing to even just as a natural human mm. connect back with the natural world and the natural biorhythms and circadian, mm-hmm. circadian right, rhythms, it. yes, that, that occur just even in the, in the cosmos, mm. that, that naturally will do that for me if I'm willing to see twilight and say, okay, I'm needing to wind down, even if the world is not. Yes. Because the world is still going. I mean, and I'm, I'm a great offender of that. I just blow right through it. Mm-hmm. And I've had to really practice saying, okay, God, you naturally have made twilight for a reason, the same way that you have declared the Sabbath should be a day of rest. Mm-hmm. You know, And when I had that huge insight, it was two years ago, and I don't know how I missed this, but this whole idea that when God said, you know, his work is good, but the rest was holy, that's where you find God is in the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean you find God in sloth, obviously, right? but if we're willing to do the expansion, the contraction, expanding, contracting. In the contraction time, even if we're contracting to boot up for the day or the next big thing that we're doing, that's where I'm able to hear God. Mm. And that's where I was talking about that prayer that I like to use, which is a good centering prayer. It's just Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it helps me to get back centered with God, the why, the who, the what, What's the point of all this? Why am I here? And, and getting things in perspective because we can get so caught up with all this stuff and all the things I'm supposed to be doing and should be doing and they're doing this and they're, they're not doing this and, you know, where I'm at and ratcheting things up all the time mm-hmm. instead of just saying, okay, God, 
you are Jesus Christ. You are the son of God. I need your mercy because I'm a sinner and mm. you need to recenter me. Help me recenter myself with you. So I hear you and your direction in the cacophony of the planet, Yeah, which is very difficult to hear. Many. Well said. And the world is really loud. It is very loud these days. And we've been called to separate from the world. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. Two of the ways that, that, you know, we were talking a little bit before I had come on this morning talking about Twilight. And it's, I had said that two, there are two things for me that really draw me close to, to the Lord and this peace in my heart. And, and one of them is anything in nature. Right. Uh, anything with, from his beautiful design and creation. And two of the times, ironically, that I, I just feel the most centered and, and see the most beauty are at sun, sunrise in the morning and at sunset. Right. And then the other is when I play. Mm-hmm. And so from a fitness standpoint, I call that therapeutic fitness for people. It's yes. just activity that fitness just happens as a byproduct. So you don't say, I'm going to go out and play bocce or play basketball so I can get 30 minutes of cardio you can't wait to get out there and do it because you love it so much and it actually has to be stopped. Mm-hmm. So what we say about fitness and training, which you need some rigorous exercise for the body, it has to be encouraged, it has to be coaxed, it has to be pushed on sometimes. You have to stop play. Yes. And it's a tremendous difference. Yes. And that play, whatever it is for our listeners, I'm just encouraging you to find that again in your life. I don't know if it's kayaking, if it's taking a hike, if it's mountain biking, whatever. Hiking. It could be anything, right. you know, it, 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 whatever it is where you just feel like it's your release. That is an amazing time to not only take care of your body, but listen to God. Thank you. Join us in this next segment and we will talk more about play and why that nourishes your soul as well as your body. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thanks for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I have David Jack with me today, a fitness expert, international fitness expert. And we finished this last uh, segment on this idea of play and the need for your body and your mind. And, And yes, we need to certainly exert our bodies and just do regular exercise because we don't get it through manual labor these days. But the restorative part is in play. And so I just wanted you, David, to just a little elaborate a little bit more on that, because I really want to encourage people to, to feed their soul. And one of the things that I talk to clients about is that I say, you know, you, you have soul sickness. When your soul is sick, this is when we get into pleasure-seeking behaviors. This is when we get more into addictions. When our soul is sick, if we're not feeding our soul. And our world now feeds our mind and our bodies, but not our soul, which is what great artwork is, what music is. Mm-hmm. What, you know, sex can be, you mm-hmm. know, this is like soul food, laughing together, eating together. So talk about play, because that's one of the ways that we can really feed our soul. You know, play for me, play is just incredible. And the thing about play is it's contextual. So I, I could have, you know, one of my brothers come in here, this this guy, Dave Gleason, we actually just, just shot a product um, on play, specifically on play for coaches and PE teachers, not a couple of days ago. It was one of the greatest blessings in my life. But he and I could sit across from each other on this table and, and take a packet of sugar and make targets and go back and forth for an hour. And the world outside of us will disappear. Mm-hmm. There will be no cares. There will be no worries. We'll be totally engaged. And see, that's healthy escape. 
totally co-creating and we're, yes. we're, we're participating in something that isn't a negative thing. Right. It's not like it's, it's not like we're going to separate from the world and we're gambling. Exactly. Or we're going to separate healthy, from the world and we're drink, you know, hel- drinking. Yes, because escaping, you know, this is what Jesus That's did when he went and when he left the crowd. He escaped. Yes. It's it, it, the escaping when it has to do with avoidance mm. or negative escapism. It's all That's intention. when it, Harms our soul. Yes. Well, that's a powerful point. And so just, I want to anchor that for a second. You know, are we, and I would look at the world as G, almost look at it like Jesus separated himself from the crowds as opposed to escape. And I think the difference is if we escape from the world to try to, to try to get away from it and to feel better and to get out of it or whatever it is, that's different than separating for a purpose of quiet time and restoration recovery. It's critical the difference that they understand that. Mm-hmm. But play is contextual in that you might look at what we're doing and go, oh my goodness, I'd rather watch paint dry. <laughs> but play for you could That's be something right. completely different. And this is the beauty with play. There are no rules. That's right. It's what works for you. It could be hide and seek with your kids. It could be tag. It could be painting. It could be anything. It could mm-hmm. be, and it's better when it has activity in it because right. now you're going to get the bodily effect from it as well as the mind, the spirit, the soul. It's just then you're connected. amazing. You're all connected. You are. And, and, you know, we talk about, so when we talk about play as contextual, look at the kids that set down a cardboard box on the ground and break dance for three hours and they move their body in a million different ways yes. or the kids that are just in dance class doing, doing their dance routines and hip hop dance or whatever it might be and just having fun with their friends and laughing and learning and exploring their body in space or the people that go to a martial arts class. Do you think that they you know, say to their mom or they say to their husbands or wives, honey, um, I need to go get 60 minutes of cardio so I'm going to go to my martial arts class. No, they're going because they love it. Right. Because they want to get their black belt or they want to do X, Y, Z or they want to go out and learn that new dance move or make that new shot with, with basketball or whatever it might be. Fitness becomes the byproduct of the activity, mm-hmm. the acquisition of the skill. And that's when fitness gets amazing. And so I would I encourage everybody from our competitive professional level athletes to younger kids to even our 81-year-old adults that I work with. You have to weave in kind of that architecture of just fun activity that you make a part of your complete fitness layout. Yes. And it is powerful. Well, because it's so restorative of your mind as it's well. Unbelievable. And it connects all of you together. It does. And then you become a bigger person. You certainly you know, you, do. And that's that expansion, that you become more of you and, and you become more of who God created you to be because we get so disconnected from our bodies mm-hmm. that you know, then we're not human because right. humans have bodies. That's, we are humans mm-hmm. and we are going to always be human. We don't, won't always have this body, but it's really understanding that if I'm really in my body and centered in my body and know how my body works and know what it feels like to move it, I will like it. The more that I am claiming myself physically, mm. the more of a whole person I am. When I start to fragment myself and I only want to be ahead, I just want to think, mm. or if I'm all emotions, you know, and I don't want to reason, mm-hmm. you know, if I want to just only be my body. And so all I do is focus on my body, either mm. positively or negatively, all the hurts and aches and pains, or on just making it this perfect thing through plastic surgery or hyper, you know, um, fitness, mm-hmm. then I'm not a whole person anymore. And I'm not who God is calling me to be and who he's created me to be. And mm. then I can't hear him. That's right. And so part of that whole connection part is really being human. Because humans are made to play. We see animals doing it. It's I mean, creatures are made to... That's right. That's it, how, And it's how we find joy. That's right. And that's how we endure pain. Mm-hmm. Which is, this is a hard place to live, this planet. It sure yes. is. Well, join me again. We're going to do this last segment, and we're going to talk more about 
the temple of the Holy Spirit, quieting your mind, being a whole person, and understanding that you are a unique, one-time occurring person, and you need to be you. So join me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Good afternoon, and thank you again for joining me. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and I have one of my good friends, a national fitness instructor, David Jack, and we are talking about just the temple of the Holy Spirit, the human body, and our mind as a part of that whole system, and the way that we can nourish our souls. And when we nourish our souls, our mind works better. When we nourish our souls, our body works better. When we do our body, it nourishes our soul. So when we're doing all the mind, body, heart, spirit we become a complete person. And we know that the more whole we are, then we can withstand the evil one much better because the divided house cannot stand. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be separate from ourselves, And we have many people, m- many people separate from their bodies. They still live in them, but they don't acknowledge them and they don't address their bodies. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about this idea of play and some of the research that you are familiar with about what it does for your mind it's so interesting and and you know it's one of those things where all you have to do is really watch it happen and you the common sense of what you see will just it'll it'll really open your mind and your heart to how powerful play is but when we allow play to be free so free play and you allow co-creation in it so explain that what explain to the listeners what co-creation is so i could set up a obstacle course for kids for example, and I could put down a certain amount of elements and I could tell them, hey, we're going to do this here and we're going to do that there. and We're going to do this here. And I could demonstrate it to them and make sure they have understanding of what I'm what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. So they have clear expectations and then I can let them just play in those things that I laid out for them. But it's still good. But now when I take those obstacle, that same obstacle course and I know that the kids have the ability to do this, I can show them something and say, now, what could you guys do? What, what ensues from that, now they still had fun the first time, and it was still play, right, and they were still right. moving in different ways, but once I open it up to them and allow the ability for them to co-create with me and me with them, just like God wanted us to be, he, he created us in his image and he is a creator, yes. what you will witness is absolutely incredible. The way they approach things, the way they think, the way their mind starts to react, the way one builds off the other, and ultimately it becomes this explosion of creativity and things that you never thought possible. And it's inspiring. It's unbelievable. And very motivating, yes. And as a coach, I have learned some of the most incredible lessons and some of the most incredible games from allowing other people to be a part of it and just watch it and then build off that. And it's this sharing that goes back and forth. And it's really the body is built by the body. And the play is created by the integration and the cooperation of each of us. And you literally just watch. Well, that's, that's, the, when, that's the part intuition. of that whole unity issue is oh. that when we have a, a certain amount of structure, which God gives structure, mm-hmm. the planet has structure, night and day is structure. That's right. But what happens within that structure needs to be the unique participation of the people that are in it. That's right. So it, you know, it, it, instead of being bound by the law, like here's the obstacle course and this is the way to do it, mm-hmm. and you're wrong if you don't do it this yeah, way. That's correct. It's here's some structure, and then you see the spirit of it evolve. And mm-hmm. then you have unity with all those people that are participating, which also, when you have unity with people, it's always a healing experience for our soul. It when sure we are is. unified with other people, when we have disharmony and discordance, that is one of the things that causes that soul sickness. This is why people come to therapy, they're not getting along with people. You're, you know, and you said when we're together, we have unity and we have this amazing blessing. I, I've talked recently with some of my brothers about the power of fellowship mm-hmm. and the gift of fellowship. It's 
it's eternal. It's not just friendships. And you, right. know, you look at when Jonathan and David, their souls were knit together. Their that's lives right. were changed forever because the spirit in one that's eternal connected with the spirit in another that's eternal. And it's supernatural. That's right. It is so powerful. And the Lord promises in Matthew eighteen twenty that where two or more come together in my name, I am with them. Yes. I mean, that's it's, power. it's, it's, it's it's the truth, mm-hmm. and you see it happen in front of your eyes. And by no means am I saying that structure isn't good. We need that in fitness. We have certain things that each individual has different training ages, different goals, different injury histories, you know, different experiences that they're going to require to do the things that they really want to do or need to do. And so there is a perfect time for structure. And, and ultimately, when you look at an analogy, sometimes you need spiritual milk, and you've got to get the basic foundation set. And then when you have those foundations, we call it skill it, drill it, and thrill it. When you learn the skill and you own it and you can understand it, and then you start to progress it and you can really own it in different environments and more subconsciously, then you've earned the right to what we call thrill it. Just go take your hardware and go take that, that new engine in your car and those new tires you put on and get it on the track and let it run. Yes, you know? yes. But we have to start with something. We do. And so that's part of where the structure comes in. And it doesn't mean that we are ever bound no, by structure. We but as many times I tell, I tell clients, you know, if I'm working on relationship, well, there are structural things that make relationships mm-hmm. work. It can't just be this free-for-all. That's right. So God there, gave there, us there are systems and, and there are rules that govern systems. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm breaking laws, like I talked about the law of expansion and contraction, if I break those laws, there's going to be some injury. Sure. And so when I have some structure to the way that I'm doing soul care or taking care of, of my whole being. Mm. So part of it is taking care of my body and doing that well for the right reasons. And it is about self-care. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, this way, that then, then I'll look better than so-and-so that, that's at, at, you know, at, at work. That's vanity-based you know? merit Exactly, fitness. exactly. And that never is going to nourish my no. soul. And it doesn't It'll honor become God. An idol. It does. And so... You know, if I'm doing my body because I'm caring for it, Jesus, I mean, I say to people, imagine if Jesus didn't take care of his body. Mm. If he didn't take care of his body, he would never have been able to withstand the day of his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. He couldn't have done it. It would have killed him. And we, anyone that's seen the Passion of the Christ and any of the research that goes mm. into that day, his last day, it, it's superhuman. That he was able to endure the level of torture and beatings that he had. Not to mention that all the sins of the world for every man, there's 7 billion of us now, maybe 110 billion that have walked the face of this earth and more to come. Every single one of them in a pinpoint laser in his soul that he carried on that cross on top of the physical, mental, emotional abuse he took. Exactly, exactly. So if we're taking care of our body, we're able to do the calling that God has us do. If we're taking care of our mind, Mm -hmm. which means that there are certain structures about... What do I allow myself to think on? How do I allow myself to think? Am I challenging my thinking? Am I, am I able to reason? Am I willing to gain understanding? Mm. You know, but am I making an idol of my mind that I just want knowledge, to have knowledge? Mm. You know? and, and so am, in, my, in my emotional realm, as there's disciplines there, how far am I going to let this feeling go? How much am I going to believe this feeling? Mm-hmm. How much am I going to act out on this feeling? You know, how That's am right. I going to respond with this feeling? And so then we also have spiritually, because spiritually, am I feeding my spirit as well? Well, one mm-hmm. of the ways I feed my spirit is to do the other three, mm-hmm. you know? And so we have to be a whole person. And so when we're doing some of those behaviors, so like when you talk about the power of play, if you're doing it by yourself as well, this is when your mind quiets down, mm-hmm. especially. This is when we kind of get that out of body kind of feeling where we're just like suspended in time. And it's a wonderfully restorative thing for the human being to That's have right. those. 
the runner's high. Yes, exactly. The yo- the yoga shavasana, you know, whatever yep. it is that yes. where people just find themselves and and they can just process and just almost disconnect, like they're literally disconnected from the cares of the world. Yes, but they're centered. Exactly. It's and then the you start powerful. to hear some really cool stuff. That's right. It's the most powerful place because then you're really connected. When you're all connected, then you can really connect to God that is in you. Mm-hmm. And we see we have God that is out of us. You know, He's still here. You know, and the more of us that have him in us, the more powerful he is outside of us. Mm-hmm. But I encourage people that you don't want to always seek God outside of you, like through music or through fellowship or, you know, the Bible or going to church. Those are great ways to reinforce the God in you. But you have to nourish the God in you. Mm. And so I had this great insight that I think you'll like. I thought about you when I was, because we had talked about the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm always, you always hear that saying, you know, my, uh, my heart, his home, you know, he lives in my heart. And, mm-hmm. and I was having this just talking to God one day and I had this, you know, conviction that it's like, you know, how hospitable is my home? Hmm. How hospitable is it in here? Like he's living here. Does he like living in here? I mean, what's it like living inside of me? And I had this vision of this person, you know, sitting on the couch, you know, visiting somebody and they're just kind of staring, watching all the activity like, wow, what Hmm. goes on in this house? Man, they really talk to each other like that. Mm, It's a lot of tension. And I was like, is that, wow, Jesus lives in there. Hmm. Well, that led me then, though, to this even bigger thing. Because the next morning I was reading in Leviticus about building the tabernacle and the acacia wood and the cubits. And I didn't want to read through all of it, which usually tells me God's going to tell me something if I go, mm-hmm. really, do I have to read through that whole thing, right? Well, as I started reading it, God really said to me, yes, I live in your heart, but I'm trying to tell you how to make a tabernacle for me to live in hmm. instead of you, me, me just living in your home. It's like I had to start to say, spiritually, God, I need to ask you, what do you want in here that would accommodate a huge, big, holy God? Not just me trying to clean up my house. It's kind of like, you know, if the president were going to come to my house, well, you know, or I could be saying, what do you want in Mm. this house Mm -hmm. that that really honors you? That, you know, there's things that I like in there, but is that what he wants? Mm. And so it isn't even getting rid of the bad things. It's really asking God who he is. And what do you want in here? Because that tabernacle that they were building was extremely elaborate. Mm-hmm. He was very detailed about what he yes, wanted. Yes, he was. But we don't ask him. You know, I just keep trying to clean it up like he's a really important visitor, right? Mm. And so it's important that there's this tabernacle that he wants to inhabit. Part of that is the external structure, which is my body. Mm. You know, part of it is my emotional realm. How emotional is it in there? What's it like in there? And what are the things that he's hearing me think about? And so it's really doing that whole entire thing because once I get that whole picture, then when I go to connect with another believer, we have that much more power as the two are together with mm. God in the middle. There's harmony. Yes. But we have to have internal harmony. That's right. And we have to have no divisiveness within us. James. Yes. So how do you play? Man, I'll tell you, uh, it's it changed for me. I had a, a really uh, significant injury when I was 26 years old, and 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 so I was able. I did everything you could possibly imagine, and so that's been a journey for me. And it's it's prevented me from so for the last 14 years, it's prevented a lot of things that I can do physically. Um, I'm very fortunate that I'm able to to walk without a limp. Wow. It was that bad. I just literally shattered, compound fractured my whole lower leg, my left leg. Wow. Um, but. For several years, because the, I, I mean, my wife sent a thirtieth uh, birthday surprise kind of letter out with pictures on it, and what it said on it was the world's biggest kid turns thirty, and that's literally who I am, and mm. that's how I knew God mm-hmm. because I was, I just played. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of taken away from me, and I think it was a period of time that the Lord really had to humble me, right? 
and and draw me to him. And man, I, I struggled with that. And in many ways, I still, the tiniest ways I still struggle. But I had this epiphany years ago that um, it's not about desiring what you can't have. It's about being grateful for what you do. Mm -hmm. And so it totally shifted my way of thinking where it's like, boy, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And it shifted to me to, I'm so grateful I can do this because there's millions of people who can't walk a step. And I was just able to walk 5,000 in what I just did, which may not have been exactly what I would have loved to do. Right. But they would have given anything to take one. That's right. And so it started to shift me to gratitude. So for me, I mean, it's it's anything from, you know, playing catch with someone or or playing a little football game with kids or um, just going for a hike, you know, at sunset, um, playing hide and go seek with my children, uh, certain types of physical fitness and physical training, you know, Mm -hmm. in the gym for me is also play for me when I'm trying new things and trying to learn new things. I love in the way that I can manage it, I love to dance. I love mm-hmm. to dance with my daughters. And, mm-hmm. you know, we make up songs and we sing and we rip around the house. And so, you know, really everything for me can be play, honest to goodness. Um, pick up basketball, playing out, you know, horse, any of those type right, of things. Right. So there's a bunch of different things that I enjoy um, that uh, it just brings me a lot of peace. So then as you're working with athletes and you being one yourself, this whole idea also of quieting your mind, because I know they work with golfers and that, mm-hmm. and, you know, football players, I mean, the whole envisioning. And so when we think about quieting our mind to hear from God, what are some of the ways that you have taught people how to quiet their mind? You know, once again, that that's contextual as well. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's helping them dive into the things that, that brought them joy, the things they love to do, even asking them their play history, you know, and, and, and they'll light up. Mm-hmm. Well, do you do that anymore? No, I haven't had the time to do that recently. And it, and it could also be things like reading a book or, right. you know, saying prayer or, you know, going down by the river and just fishing for a little bit. It could be, it doesn't have to necessarily be a physical thing, um, but it's really tapping back into what brings them peace, yes. what ultimately we call it the transition, what takes them from the busy world that they live in and the cares of their mind and gets them out of that world and into this quiet place without the cares of the world bearing down on them. And then we steer them and direct them to just re-embrace that and get back into it. It, it is tremendous in its healing effects. Thank you for sharing, David. That was very helpful. And I want to encourage people also about quieting your mind with the gift of repentance. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join we me hope next this week. Past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at kpxq1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.